Hey guys, thanks for checking out today's message. We are so glad that you joined us. We consider resources like this one to be supplemental. So if you do not have a church home and you live in the greater Savannah area, we would love to invite you to one of our locations. If you're blessed by today's message and would like to invest into the life and the ministry of City Church, you can do so by visiting our website, citychurch.life, and clicking Give. Our hope is that you'll be blessed and encouraged as we dive into today's message. Our passage for today is going to come out of Luke 10. Uh, We're going to hover in this uh, text for quite a bit. Verse 38, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said, Lord, Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Uh, today, I want to talk about the principle of inspect what you expect. So I believe that the principles that we're talking about here with parenting are principles that should be uh, implemented into your life before you're a parent, okay? And so these, these principles work in just an, an onslaught of different uh, uh, areas of life, and so uh, uh, so as we're going through last week, we talked about goal setting. So so setting some goals, having those in place, learning how to go all the way through. This is this is the thing about goals is that if we set a goal and we don't and, and, and we don't get to it and follow it through, right? Then then we learn a habit of kind of being people who quit. So we have to learn how to achieve some things, finish some things, especially as parents, because our children need us, not just to the point of the end of our lives, but to the end of their lives. And so we should have goals in place that are setting them up for success and protection all the days of their lives. Proverbs 13 says that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So Leaving an inheritance takes some discipline. It takes some effort. Leaving an inheritance for your grandchildren, right? That's, that's on a whole nother level. So we have to be intentional about the way that we live. So as we set these goals, as we are preparing our children for success in life, or as we're setting goals for anything in life, we have to then begin to break down a series of expectations, so the expectations are all the little, uh, little roots in the tree system that help us to get to the goal. And so you have to create expectations, and then you have to inspect what it is that you're expecting. This is honestly one of the biggest struggles for me. I... Uh, feel like I do a decent job at creating expectations for people uh, that I feel like give them all the freedom and, and uh, excitement that they would need, but I, I struggle with coming back behind the process and making sure that those expectations are being followed through on. I will tell you that if you do not inspect what you expect okay, within your home with your children, what you will find is that your children, as they get off base, they either will think that you don't care or they may not even be aware that they are getting off track. And so if you are constantly at this process of inspecting the expectation, then you have the ability to help to keep them on track. And this works as a principle in any area, whether it's at work or whether it is uh, engaged in any type of community activity with people, creating expectations and then inspecting those expectations is really critical uh, for success. So Uh, uh, what I expect may not be what I experience, right? This is really uh, probably the biggest, I guess, upset in our lives is that we create expectations and because we haven't learned good processes for creating expectations, we create expectations that do not meet the experiences that we have. 
anybody ever experienced this before, right? So you've got this idea that uh, one day by a certain point in life, you're going to be married to a certain type of person, and then you're going to have a certain way of living, and then all of a sudden, that's not exactly how life worked out, right? So you don't experience the things that as a child you expected. Uh, The same thing can happen on vacation. Anybody ever have this expectation for vacation to be like, and then the experience is like, man, thought you were going somewhere, right? You got online, you read the brochure, and you thought, this place is going to be awesome. And then when you show up, it turns out they've only updated one room, and the rest of the rooms are from the 60s, very vintage, and it's not quite what you expected, right? These things, these things happen, right? We are people who set high expectations, and then when our experience doesn't meet it, then what happens is is it begins to crush the way uh, or the level at which we have expectations. And so people begin to lower their expectations because their experiences have not been very good. Now, this happens, I think, in in a parenting situation oftentimes is that mom and dad create some expectations, but the experience that they're having with their child is not living up to the expectation that they had. And so instead of working to create a better experience, we naturally just kind of lean into, well, let's just start lowering our expectations. Like, like at the very least, maybe they'll do this. At the very least, maybe they'll do that. And I really want to challenge that idea. And I think that in order to do that, we have to evaluate how it is that we set expectations. You see, because uh, some people lower their expectations to align with their experience. So we hope for the best, but expect the worst. You ever heard that before? That's a, that's a terrible line. It's a terrible ideology. And if it's something that, that you have allowed to kind of be implanted into the way that you think, into the way that you do life, today I want to challenge you to take that thing. My, my kids will, Caitlin and I were riding down the road the other day and I said something she thought was awkward and she goes, we're going to take that idea and we're going to put it in a box, we're going to lock that box and we're going to throw it out the window while we're going down the road and we're never going back to that box, Right. And I laughed really hard, and I, I thought, man, like, there's how many times in life do we just need to do that? Do we just need to take, like, ideologies like this and go, this is, this is bad. This isn't going to serve me well. This isn't going to serve my family well, and it's not going to serve my relationship with God well. So we're going to take this idea of hope for the best but expect the worst, and we're going to put that in a box. We're going to lock that thing, and we're going to throw it out the window while we're driving down the road, and we're never going back to look for it. We're not going to do that. Because we need to be people who our hope for the best creates an expectation that is met by an experience that is paired with what God wants for us. And so we have to learn how to create godly expectations. So I will say that the height of my expectations will determine the height of my experiences. So if you set the standard low, you set the bar low, then guess what? You will have low experiences in your life. And just because you've set an expectation that seems to be unreachable and you have yet to experience it, maybe I could challenge you today that maybe it's not the expectation that you have, but maybe it's the, uh, just an, a piece of it, the timing that you've hardwired into it, right? Maybe it is some aspect of the expectation that is preventing the experience from getting to that place. So, what do you come expecting? I was thinking about this, like the way that we live life and the expectations that we have. Uh, do, Do you come home expecting a house filled with joy and excitement or do you come home ready for complaints and whining and complaining is your expectation when you come home at the end of the day that I just have got to get everybody in bed so I can have some peace and quiet or is your expectation tonight's a night where we make a memory that we remember for the rest of our lives that my children one day will be telling their kids about right 
Am I doing that? Is that my expectation? Here's a good one. Did you come to church expecting to encounter the living Jesus today? Or did you come to church expecting to notch that off of your belt for the week? What was your expectation? Because I can tell you if your expectation was to come and meet some friends and have lunch afterwards, that's what you're going to experience. But if what you're wanting to experience is an engaging, dynamic relationship with the living, uh, risen Savior, then you need to come expecting that to happen. And too many times we set our expectations really low because we've experienced disappointment. So, how can we produce expectations that align with our experiences? I think that we can get a lot out of this passage in Luke 10 with Martha and Mary. Martha has some expectations that are not being met, and, uh, and she does some things that are good, and then Jesus does some things to help set her straight in her way of thinking. So if you take notes, here's a great opportunity to do so. Uh, the first thing that we can do Uh, is acknowledge that effective expectations are led by confessions, okay? Effective expectations are led by confessions. What does that mean? That you need to be somebody that makes your expectations known. Have you ever met somebody who has an expectation and they've never told anybody, right? Martha owns a home She has an expectation that is not known at the moment, and instead of uh, 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 of this being this like moment of excitement, Jesus is in my house, because she has an unknown expectation, she creates an unfair circumstance for Mary. So how is an unknown expectation fair? It's not fair. You've never enjoyed it in your life. And And let me tell you, this is one of the things I'm really conscious of. Uh, as a parent, and I, I know I fail at this because I, I know my parents were, were uh, conscious of this as well, and they, they failed at it, uh, and that is making all expectations known. And so there were seasons in my life where I would fail one of the expectations my parents had, and I wouldn't even know that it was their expectation. A- and I've experienced this many times in my life, uh, I got a job at Winn-Dixie when I was 16 years old, a grocery store uh, in uh, Trustville, Alabama, and it was my first, like, real job. I drove myself there. It was exciting, and I was a bag boy, and one day uh, the, what do you call the guy, the manager, I guess? Uh, I was going to call him the president of, of, of the local Winn-Dixie chapter, uh, comes in, and he's like, hey, Jim, I want you to go mop produce, and I was like, what does that mean, go mop produce? And he was like, you know, mop produce. And I was like, I don't know how to mop. And he immediately went into good old boy, like, were you raised in a barn? How can you not know how to mop? Everybody knows how to mop. I had no clue how to mop. There were a lot of things I did uh, growing up. Mopping just wasn't one of them. I washed my own clothes. I made toast in the toaster. I mean, I ran a vacuum, but mopping was just not something that I did. And so he walked back there, and this is what he said. He, he took the mop in his hand, and he said, this is a mop. This is a mop bucket. That's water. You put water in the bucket. You put the mop in it. Then you wring it out, and you rub it on the floor, and you clean the floor. And I was like, great, okay, I'll do that. So I go back to the produce section, and I start mopping away, right? And uh, I'm mopping away. I get done. I go back to bagging groceries. The next day I come in, and he says, hey, Jim, go, uh, go uh, mop produce. I, said, I got this, man. I know what I'm doing, right? I go get it. I'm mopping. So for a couple of weeks, every time I came to work, he said, Jim, go mop produce. So I go mop produce. And then one day I came in, and he said, Jim, come into my office for a minute. I was like, well, this is different, right? Uh, Maybe he's going to reward me for mopping produce. And he said, "Uh, Jim, I ought to fire you. And I was like, for what? And he said, I have never met anybody so inept at mopping. You are the worst mopper I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) I mean, I was like completely broken down. What are you talking about? Like, I did exactly what you said to do. I was mopping the floor 
And I learned something then that this was an individual who did not have the skill set to adequately communicate his expectations. And so I ended up on the, on the losing end of that by creating an enemy at, at my place of employment with my boss who in turn was just unhappy with what I was doing because I just didn't know what it was that he expected, right? And so sometimes that's the way that we encounter an unknown expectation. Uh, another way is we end up with somebody who's passive aggressive, right? Anybody ever met somebody who's passive aggressive, right? right? You might be in the room right now and you might be sitting next to somebody who's passive aggressive. We're gonna be preaching that out of them today. Um, so passive aggressive is an adjective. Uh, I looked at a bunch of definitions. I liked this one, a character flaw brought on by a person's unwillingness to express needs, desires, frustrations, or expectations. I thought this one kind of just like nipped that in the bud, right? It's like, it's got it, it's got it all kind of formed out. And, and, and this, this would have been, this passive aggressiveness was not in place for Martha. Uh, if so, she would have been in the kitchen, like getting a pot out, slamming it on the counter, right? Huffing and puffing the entire time and, and, and oh, I'm slaving in here. Don't, don't do anything. I'm all right. You ever met somebody like that? You ever been somebody like that? Like, I've been that person before, and I've made some decisions in my life that being passive-aggressive doesn't accomplish anything. You're not going to get the person in the other room to, if they get up and help, it is strictly out of guilt, right? They are not getting up because they have a passion for serving. So what happens is we have to be people who are willing to communicate, confess the expectations that we have. If we don't do that, we create an unfair and unsafe environment. The second one is an unshared expectation will lead to complications. So if you have an expectation and it is not also shared with somebody else, but it is expected of them and they're not bought into it, you're going to end up with frustration and complications. And this is what happens with Martha. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? And, and I love this, because this, this, is, this is good, raw communication for us. She, she goes to God Right, she goes to Jesus. She says, Jesus, this is the right person to go to. Do you not care? And then she doesn't let him answer. Tell her then to help me. Ever done that before? Ever gone to the Lord in prayer? Lord, do you not care? I know you do. So here's what needs to happen. We need to go ahead and let this person know and this person know, and I'm gonna expect that raise by the end of the week. Thanks, I'm glad we had this chat. Let's move on, right? And unfortunately, that doesn't really work uh, when, when we go to the Lord, and it really doesn't work when we try to navigate our expectations with the people around us. And so what she does is good in going to the Lord, right? But she has an expectation that is creating frustration inside of her, and it's an expectation that her sister Mary just does not share. Mary is content to come and sit and listen to Jesus speak, right? But Martha is up. Martha is working away. Ever experienced this in marriage, right? You ever experienced one of these? Like uh, you're in this position where your spouse has an expectation and you aren't measuring up to it. And so it creates some tension, right? Carmen and I have navigated this many times in our lives. Uh, it's all my fault. I'll go ahead and say it right now uh, that I have an expectation of her that she was not living up to and I would go to her and I would try to compel her to get on board with it and she would be very agreeable in the conversation but when it came to the practical application of it, it just wasn't happening. And very early on in our marriage, we both realized that that doesn't work. 
and that I don't get to create expectations for her and she doesn't get to create expectations for me. And that doesn't mean that there aren't moments of disappointment, right? That doesn't mean that there aren't some expectations that are unmet at times, some desires that are unmet at times, but we put on our, our, our big boy and big girl pants and we say, you know what, this is not going to create the level of complication and frustration in our marriage that tears us apart and we learn how to navigate through it. And Martha is really struggling with this. She's frustrated in the kitchen. She thinks that it's Mary's place to be in there with her. Now, there, there's a whole breakdown here on uh, even the expectation within the culture of, of, of females for sometimes how a female should act or should talk. And then it, it falls the same way for men. It falls the same way for cultures. There becomes expectations that, that within these certain tribes that we act the same way, talk the same way, think the same way. And Martha right here, she's got a good representation of this. She thinks Mary, she doesn't say, hey, why aren't the guys in the house coming over here, Right? Uh, maybe there were other females that we don't know. She doesn't even call them out. Mary's my sister. This is my house, right? And Mary should be up here with me. And it's just not an expectation that Mary is sharing. This happens with our kids. That our kids aren't measuring up to some of the expectations that we have. And the truth is, is that they are not their expectations. And this is where I talked a little bit, where, where I was mentioning the idea of making sure that our expectations align with God's plan and God's purpose, because this is, this is the dangerous place, is when we begin to set expectations for our kids that dictate the course of their lives, instead of leading them in the course of their lives. And so a lot of parents will create expectations. Listen, you're going to be a straight-A student. When you get done, you're going to go to this college, and this is the job that you're going to get. And, and parents have been guilty of laying out expectations for their children that their children have no passion for. And so because of that, it creates a tremendous amount of tension and frustration within the household. And as those children grow up and become adults, it fractures the relationship and so when we talk about working to develop expectations specifically when we're talking about doing this with our children what we are doing is we are setting expectations that we believe are foundational regardless of the path that they take relationship with God I don't care what your job is you need a relationship with God Really, uh, uh, I, I don't care uh, where you go to school. You need a relationship with God. You need a relationship with your family. You need to learn how to keep a clean room. You need to learn how to wash your clothes. You need to learn how to bathe, right? You need to learn how to get into water and wash that stink off of you. I've got three boys. I know what I'm talking about, right? And, 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 and you, I, I instill that expectation inside of them but I have to be careful that what I am expecting is foundational, right? Things that need to be in place no matter what, but I'm leaving them the room to learn how to create their own expectations. And if I am planning every moment of their day for the rest of their lives, then they are never going to learn how to create their own expectations. We can do the same thing at work. We can expect things of our employees or our bosses. And when they don't do the things that we expect, we become frustrated. And, the, and, and sometimes the expectations that we put out there don't even apply really to what their job is. And we create these, these expectations for people and then we live in disappointment and the experience we have doesn't measure up to it. The third thing. Forcing others, to, uh, forcing others into your expectation will not fix your disorganization. Forcing others into your expectation will not fix your disorganization. Martha was frustrated. And let me tell you, it didn't matter whether Mary came in there or not, Martha was going to be frustrated. And so if you have expectations that, are, that you've created in your own life that are, that, that are not working and they're creating aggravation, they're creating this distress 
the, the stressful environment, bringing others into your situation is not going to repair the problem. The problem is your expectations. And so we have to be really careful that we do not constantly try to manipulate other people to, to live by our expectations. We need to make sure that we have healthy expectations. So God will fix the problem. It just might not be the problem you brought. This is what happens for Martha. Martha comes up. She's like, Jesus, this is a problem, isn't it? Thanks. Now tell her that it's a problem. And Jesus responds, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Jesus has some good insight here. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So Martha shows up. Jesus, the expectation here is that she's in the kitchen helping me. And Jesus is like, I really don't need you in the kitchen, right? Just ask Peter what I can do with some fish and bread, right? I got this. Like, your mac and cheese is delicious. It's on point, but it's not necessary right now. The good portion is what Mary has chosen. I, can I tell you, like, this has the potential inside of us to, like, tear us down when we realize that we have expectations that are unrealistic and they don't line up with God's will or purpose for our lives. And Martha had every, every opportunity right here to, to turn around and leave in frustration and give up. This is, a kind of, this is kind of a, a difficult rebuke. And, and I will tell you that, that as you are a child of God in pursuit of him and you're going to him and you're asking things of him, right, you, you may find yourself in seasons bringing things that are issues and, and, and what God will do is he will give you insight into how you're looking at the wrong problem. And this is the case for Martha. Because Mary has chosen the good portion. And because Mary has made the right decision, because she has made a good decision, Jesus is not going to rebuke her or move her. Misery loves company, right? And that's exactly where Martha is. She's miserable, right? Martha is in a miserable place. And I want to say, I know too many people who live their lives in a miserable place. And almost always, it's because there are broken expectations, unmet, unrealistic in their homes and in their lives. And because nobody around them is measuring up, they are miserable. And they just as soon everyone else be miserable. And those people need freedom because God did not create us to live in misery. And if we know that to be a truth, then as children of God, we shouldn't want misery for anybody else. You see, a better thing would have been for Martha to start evaluating her expectation and asking the question, why is my expectation making me so upset? That's not human nature. The natural is, if I've got to do it, they've got to do it. Like, deep inside of us, we, we kind of, we want things to be equal and fair all the time. But that's not reality. The reality is that we are all created di different, unique, with different purposes. And God's expectations in your life are different than they are as expectations in somebody else's. Number four, to avoid frustrations, I need to be aware of God's expectations. Uh, she says, don't you care that I'm working hard? I, I want to say this, working hard is good. If, if Martha had not opened her home, they would not have had the place. So somebody has to have 
the, the expectation inside of them that they're going to use their resources uh, and their time and energy to open the door for the ministry to take place. And, and, and let's look at it this way. Like we just talk about giving in the church. And we can talk about giving until the, I don't know, till forever, till Jesus comes back. We just talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. Talk about financial contributions. And the truth is this, and this is what we, we say. We say, you know, go to Jesus, ask him, say, Lord, what would you have me give? And, 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 and I'm okay with making that statement and asking that of you because I truly understand that he's not going to ask the same of every one of you. Some of you, he's going to say, hey, I'm blessing you with resources above and beyond measure so that you can invest back in to the church. And some of you, he's, he's giving you enough so that you can invest, you can make a difference, but he's given you a different destiny and purpose that leads you into a place where maybe you are doing more hands-on ministry. And because we're all created different, we all have to be willing to accept the fact that uh, others are going to be called to do different things. And I'll go back to this idea with my children. I cannot expect my children to do exactly what I do because if everybody does exactly what I do, then it all crashes in. It all comes toppling down. What I need is to have an expectation in my home that my children will know the Lord because I believe in the very depths of who I am that if they know the Lord, he'll make sure that they're in the right place. And whether he wants them in the kitchen working and cooking and preparing the house and making it ready or whether he wants them sitting at his feet, his will is perfect in every way. And so, yes, we're called to work hard. But there are also seasons and moments where it's good to choose the portion where we sit at his feet. Clarification changes everything. Going back to point one. When we make our expectations known, then those people who work for us or with us are able to work better and be more fulfilled. And if our expectations are not known, people are going to work and work and work, and they're never going to know whether or not they're doing the right thing. This is difficult for me. This is difficult for me because when things are going good and going right, I don't tend to say anything. I tend to walk into the room, and when everything is perfect except for one thing, the painting's crooked, I'll go, hey, guys, we've got to fix that painting. And in my mind, what I'm communicating is everything else is ready to go. That's difficult sometimes for people to hear because all they hear is every time I walk in the room, something's wrong. And so I have to learn how to be disciplined in not just creating expectations that deal with the negative, but creating expectations that deal with what's good, with what's positive. Making sure that people understand that expectations are being met alongside with those moments where an expectation needs a little bit of addressing. John chapter 12, verse 2. Let's take a look at Martha here later on. It says, so they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at a table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So you've heard this probably if you've been in church any period of time in your life. Mary comes in, she takes the alabaster jar and breaks it open and pours it onto Jesus' feet and washes his feet with her hair. And it's this beautiful moment. And the disciples get upset because, you know, what could we have done with these resources? And Jesus says, hey, you know, it's, it's not for you to judge. What she has done has been an act of sacrifice. But something that we often miss is verse 2. And I wanted to point it out here because this is at a later point. It says that, so they gave a dinner for him there and Martha served can I tell you, Martha could have walked out of there and said, I'll never serve them again. I will never again host an event for that group of people. But something had to have happened because Martha had a shift that took place in her own heart from that point to get her to the place 
where she showed up and was ready to serve. And here comes Mary, right? Last time Mary just sat at his feet. This time Mary comes in. Martha has a house and Mary has an alabaster jar and Mary's lifestyle brings her to the place where she pours it out on Jesus' feet. And I just, I want to talk about the expectation here for you for just a moment because I think that there are some unfair things that, that get told to us in church. And we get told this story right here so many times and we, and we, and we feel compelled to be like Mary. We feel compelled that we've got to go find our alabaster jar and we've got to come and we've got to pour that out onto Jesus' feet and we've got to wash his feet. But can I tell you something? That, that in order for the environment to be as it was for Mary to come and make the sacrifice, other sacrifices were being made like Martha preparing a meal and giving a room for it to take place. Sometimes we can come to a place of spiritual maturity and relationship with the Father that we are okay with not being the ones that are always being ministered to, but we can become the ministers. And Mary comes into the room and she does a beautiful thing. And Martha doesn't say, whoa, Jesus, like, can you slow this down? Remember, we already talked about this. She needs to be over here helping, but that's not what happens. And so we have to be the types of people that create expectations for ourselves that are healthy before we can create expectations for others that are healthy. The fifth one and the last one here that I want to talk about is that expectations should never position us to miss an invitation from God. What would have been best would have been for Martha to serve diligently and then come and sit at the feet of the Lord. Somebody had to be in there, somebody had to make a way, and Martha should have been diligently at work trying to fulfill what she believed she was led to do and then getting to the feet of the Lord. And this is another thing I want to say that, that to the church, and that is that your position of serving does not replace your position of worship. Showing up on Sunday, and listen, if somebody's not working in children's, then all the kids are in here, right? If somebody's not working with students uh, in our, our, our high school age, they're not getting mentored. If somebody's not working hospitality, there's no coffee, there's no environment for fellowship. If, there aren't, if there's not a production team back here running sound and lights, then, then we come in and we just turn on the lights and we have church. And you might go, well, I'm okay with that. That's fine. We want to create environments and opportunities that are like preparing a table, the very best. But I want to tell you that if you're, if you're called to serve and in, in preparing that table, it does not replace your need for worship. Because I'll tell you what will happen. You will burn out and be angry and you will walk away if you are not making your way to his feet. I'll even tell you that expectation falls on me. It is not enough for me to sit here and show up and allow my act of worship to be preaching. I too have to get to his feet. And if you're creating expectations, I want you to hear me as parents for a moment. And if you're one day going to be a parent, if you create expectation, expectations for your children to know Jesus and you don't model it, there's a fair chance they'll miss the mark and have to figure it out on their own. You don't make community a priority, your children won't make community a priority. You don't make getting into the word a priority, your children will not make getting into the word a priority. If you want to talk about the things of God, but then get out and act like hell with your friends, your children will learn a process that what's expected is, I talk like this about Jesus, but when I'm not around him and the other believers, I talk and act like this. And I'll... I'll tell you, like, this is probably more prominent in the South than it is anywhere else in our country because we have a lot of people who play a lot of religious games. They show up to church out of some expectation that mom and dad or grandparents have, but they walk out the door confessing that they love Jesus but living like hell. 
If your expectation is that your children will live by the standards God has set, but you do things contrary to the word of God, then you will create expectations and birth them inside of your children that God's word is not the end all. And we all know that this is true, and yet we don't sometimes practice it. And so the first expectations that you have to set deal with yourself. And I cannot help shape, mold, and guide my kids' expectations if I don't have expectations on how I behave and how I interact with the Father. I shared this recently, but I'll share it again. I'm, I'm sitting there, and I, I don't want, I'm going to share this with you. I, I don't want to condemn you. You need to have your own conviction of language and the words that you use. Uh, it's really clear, like, uh, inside of Scripture, no, you know, Paul says no crude or coarse joking, right? Uh, we see multiple times where it talks about using words that within the society that you live are considered to be vulgar or inappropriate, and then that changes. There were words I grew up using in my home that were just normal, and then I was sitting around the table with Carmen and her family, and I said one of them, and they all went into cardiac arrest. I mean, they could not believe that that came from my mouth. I have preached from this pulpit and said words that didn't mean anything to me and had people about lose their minds that I had said that, right? Okay? But I will tell you, I... I am not a guy who stubs my toe and lets five or six swear words rip. And we were watching TV uh, just a couple of months ago, and there was language on, somebody said something on TV that was inappropriate. And in our house, you know, if we notice it, we all are like, especially uh, Zoe loves to repeat anything he hears. Uh, And uh, uh, so we're always like, we always make a big deal out of it. Whoa, that's not a word we say, right? And, and I mean, I mean, rabbit trail real quick. Um, Zoe, a couple of years ago, Isaac and I were watching uh, YouTube uh, videos of redneck fails on four-wheelers that somebody had sent us, right? I mean, just the title sounded like, you need to watch this. And this one guy was riding a four-wheeler, and that thing hit the ramp, and it kept, and it just, upside down, gravity decided, now I'm going to take control and just went boom and that thing landed on top of him and however it happened it didn't kill him but it brought a few words to the very top of his tongue and they flowed right out and I I was like whoa and I did not realize that Zoe had come in the room and Zoe was between me and Isaac watching and so um uh Zoe had been at school and in the cafeteria he was sitting at the cafeteria and he was like just playing with his face and got his unfriendly finger kind of stretching on his face and the kids were like he's shooting a bird and Zoe's like I don't have a gun there's no birds here like that's just the naivety of it he has no clue and, and so we got a letter sent home that Zoe had uh, shot a bird during uh, uh, the cafeteria. And we were like, well, who was he shooting the bird at? Well, just in general. Well, how was he doing it? Like, well, he just had his hand against his face. We were like, he was sh- stretching his finger. Like, he doesn't know what these things are. And we had a teacher who told us, no, you're being naive. Your son knew exactly what he was doing. That's a hard thing to hear, right? And... Uh, I thought, no, there's no way. And and I want to tell you, to this day, I believe there's no way. And so I corrected her. I said, no, he doesn't know what that is. He doesn't see that in our house. We don't act like that. So I don't know where he would have seen it. And I said, what he was doing was stretching his finger. And because it's a finger to him and it doesn't mean anything else, he had no clue what he was doing. Now, fast forward 24 hours. I wish I could tell you six months, 24 hours. I watch a video, Zoe goes to school and drops the F-bomb in class. Granted out of context, all right? Uh, and he got another note that, oh, the same teacher was like, what do you have to say now? And I was like, that's my fault. 
And I said, we were watching a video and he saw that. And so, so we're just really guarded, right? When these things are happening because we fully get the fact that if daddy pitches a temper tantrum and drops a bunch of profanity that at church on Sunday morning in the kids' room, my kids could pull it out right there, right? So we're very careful. And so there was an inappropriate word that was said from a movie or TV show. And Ezra looked over at me and he said, Daddy, I hear people say words like that all the time, but I never hear you and mommy say them. Why don't y'all say them? And it was just a great opportunity to talk about my own personal expectations and that I model something that I want for them. Here's what I want. I want my children to look like they know Jesus. Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Peter said, you're crazy. There's nobody at this table that loves me more than you. That very next day, before the sun was fully risen, they said, you're a follower of Jesus. And he said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. They come at him a second time. No, 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 you're definitely a follower of Jesus. You're crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. And then the third time they come to him, this is what the scripture says. It says he swore and told them no, and they did not come again. Now, maybe I'm projecting something into this, but it was when he used that profanity that at the same time, Peter and Jesus' eyes catch each other, and Peter is filled with shame. And maybe they didn't come back because people who followed Christ did not talk like that. And he proved his point. Can I tell you, I'm not here to create the condemnation on your language. I'm here to tell you that if you don't have expectations for living like a follower of Christ, you can't have expectations for somebody else to. And maybe what you've got to do is just go to the Lord and say, okay, God, these are my expectations. They're good, aren't they? So that he can bring some correction. You see, Martha was expecting Mary to be with her, but Jesus was inviting Martha to be with him. Yesterday, I was talking with a guy right here in, in the sanctuary, and we were, he was talking about this gentleman who's older that works with him who's gotten saved in the last few years and we were just talking about the difference that there is in somebody who is a believer when they're young and continues to be a believer and then somebody who is a sinner and comes to know Jesus there is something that there's just a fire inside of somebody that gets saved later in life that seems to diminish in people who are in the church for a really long time. And that ought not be. You should be people who are filled with the same fire and joy that you were when you were first saved. Let's stand to our feet. While I was preparing this message, I want you to know I, I had a lot of conviction. Looking at my own expectations. In a couple of ways. One, some of my expectations uh, that I have had in life that have not happened, I realize that I have allowed those expectations to be broken down and destroyed by the enemy. And because my expectation is diminished, my experience is diminished. And I say all the time that if God said it, then he meant it. But that's difficult to apply to yourself. But we've got to. And this, this has caused me to be stirred to want to reevaluate the expectations I even have for my life for the next 20, 30, 40 years of my life as an as a individual, not as a dad.
And I believe it will have a huge impact on the expectations I have as a dad. So if we could, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed right now, I want to just take a moment and, and pray for you. If you're in here today and some of this was relevant to you, you were thinking of, about some expectations and frustrations that you have right now in your life or in your home, I want to pray with you. I want to pray that, that, that you would experience a redirect from God. Father, we, we just come to you today. We, we know that we live in this broken world. And we know that you are, our, you are hard at work to restore it. And that in every aspect of our existence, that brokenness bleeds in. And too many times that has happened in our expectations. And so, Father, today, I, as a believer, I surrender my expectations to you. And I pray that you would, that you would recultivate build up and redirect my expectations so that the experiences I have in life would be dynamic important and fulfilling give me direction when it comes to the expectations I set for my children my co-workers, my friends family And give me a heart that's willing to accept when I'm wrong. Speak to us this week, Father. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just one more moment. Maybe you're in here today and you don't know Jesus as Lord of your life. I want to just speak to that for a moment. As Christians, we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And he did that for everyone who will believe, everyone who will accept. And the scripture says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. And maybe you're in here today and you don't know him or you're not in right relationship with him. And you feel this, this, this tugging, this burning. You're, you realize that you have a lot of unmet expectations and the reality is, is those expectations don't line up with what you would understand to be God's expectations. I want to tell you that tugging is the Holy Spirit saying, I want you, I love you. I have a plan for you, a destiny, a purpose for you. Maybe that's you online you're watching this and that's the experience that you're having right now is something's tugging inside of you. I want us to pray and if that's you, just pray this prayer and just say, Jesus, today I surrender who I am to you and I invite you to have your way in my life Give me eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to, to feel and know you. Open the door for me to walk in community with other believers and develop friendships that hold me accountable and rewrite the expectations of my life that the experiences I have moving forward would be ones that bring total and complete fulfillment not only to me but to you in Jesus' name, amen.